We're back for our fifth and final season, and this is our chance to do the episodes we've been talking about for years but haven't quite gotten around to doing yet. My first episode is five seasons in the making, and it's all about stag films. Stag films are those seedy, grimy, one-reel films that were made in the 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s that featured things you couldn't see in any theater in America. Sex. Sometimes there were couples, sometimes threesomes, sometimes animals, but the main thing they were was hardcore triple X intercourse. These short films were passed from person to person, sold through the mail, and exhibited in traveling circuses, frat houses, and men's clubs throughout post-war America. But how did they start, and where did they come from? And how did they influence porn features in the 70s, home video in the 80s, and internet porn of today? Our season five opener is all about sex, sex, sex. Today we talk about stag films. This is Slums of Film History, a lowbrow look into the high art of cinema. Every episode is an in-depth look into a niche topic of film that is normally not discussed in polite company. I'm Slate. And I'm Tom. And each week, one of us researches our respective topic, writes an episode, and then schools the other. We discuss everything from murderous gays, to evil Santas, to horny nuns. If there's a film subject too taboo, we haven't found it yet. Welcome. Hi, Tom. Hey, Slate. How are you? Oh, I'm great. How are you? Good. It's good to be back. It is good to be back. We say that every time, but it is kind of it's it's good, good to be back. Yeah. yeah. And I felt the length of time this time. Like, mm-hmm. I felt it was a long time. We usually say, oh, it feels like we never left. Yeah. But it really felt this like This was a long time. Yeah. We also, we, we hung out a lot, like, kind yeah, of did. more than normal not doing the podcast. So. Yeah, that's true. We did. We did some fun stuff. We didn't hang out at Christmas this year, though. That's right. And we usually hang out every year. I think we've only missed one in the 20-odd years that I've known you. Mm-hmm. We missed it this year because why? Why did we miss it? I went on the Brady Bunch Christmas holiday trip with my whole family yeah, to Hawaii. Family. Yeah, not, not including me. We didn't invite you. Sorry. That's fine. We went to the New York Film Festival. We did the Film Festival. Which we, we, we do, do every, every year. year. Mm-hmm. That's great. Then we went to Philly. Went to Philly. We went to the beach together. That's right, we did. quite tumultuous drinking weekend. Oh my God. Really? Yeah, we still talk about that. a mess. Yeah, it was terrible. And then we went to Philly. We posed on the Rocky stairs and pretended like we were Rocky, yeah, which I kind we, of forced you to do. But We did, but it was nice. And of course, we were there with everybody else who was doing the exact same thing. Right. But. On Super Bowl weekend, which was probably, in retrospect, not a great time to be there. Right. And then we flipped over a car. We yeah, moved. yeah, we we just set a couple fires and slate climbed a few poles and it was I mean it was, it was good. kind of fun. Yeah, yeah. I'm really excited about this season, but we do have to mention this is the final season. And is the final season? This was our original plan: five seasons of this podcast, and then figure out where we go from here. Something so, else, which luckily we figured out. Just kidding, we haven't figured. Yeah, it out we haven't figured out shit. Yeah. So, but we're working on it, and certainly we always like to hear suggestions from listeners. Yeah. So if you have some, throw them our way. Mm-hmm. Right now, I want to write a book, and you want to teach a class. I'm just kidding. I don't care about teaching a class. I wouldn't mind writing a book, so a book's fine. Oh, good. Well, that was figured out. See? <laughs> Done. This is easy. <laughs> this is way too easy. We solved it. I'm excited about this topic for you because, yeah, it's been taken, it's taken five seasons, but this is essentially a prequel to your golden age of porn. That's right. Exactly. And I'll get a little bit more into it, kind of like where's the right time to kind of listen to the golden age of porn if you haven't listened to it yet. But yeah, this is kind of a tumultuous episode for me just because I got kind of right in in the middle of it and I was like there is not enough to write a whole episode about this really because they're little sex films that's it you yeah. know and it was kind of like so so what's the big deal 
And I kind of had to dig really, really deep through the depths of the internet to find the information that I was looking for, just because it's not a thing. It's not like you can get on IMDb and research stag films. Right. It's not, that's not the way it works. I can only imagine what your search history looks like. No, it was a, it's a disaster. <laughs> like, it's, it's not good. There's an FBI file on me now. <laughs> then by the time I actually sat down to research this, as I told you, I wrote this entire episode in a day. I like woke up in the morning and I was like, okay, I'm going to start writing. And then I went to bed when it was finished. And that's the first time I've ever written an episode in a day. And when it was done, I was like, I think this is a good one. So we'll good. see. We'll I'm, see. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm excited for it. So like you mentioned, this episode is really a prequel to Golden Age of Porn, where we mentioned the stag film kind of like as a precursor to the full length films, Boys in the Sand, Mona the Virgin Nymph, your mm-hmm. favorite. Oh, and yeah, of love course, that yeah, Deep Throat in <laughs> the early 70s. I didn't talk much about stags or loops. So if you haven't heard that episode yet, just keep listening and then go back and listen to that one second. Uh, if you have, you might want to listen again after this, and it would make a nice two-parter. So, yeah. yeah. I'm going to start today by defining what I mean by stag films. Stag films, or blue movies, are single-reel, silent film strips that were around 10 minutes and featured sex, specifically intercourse. Stag films have been around since the late 1800s and continued to be made until around 1968, where the loop replaced it, until full-length porn films began playing in theaters around the early 70s. The stag shouldn't be confused with nudies, which were short films that you watched in a penny arcade by putting a penny in the machine and looking through it. You remember those old things? These were usually just pinup girls posing in various stages of undress, whereas stag films were actual hardcore sex. And they were probably illegal at the time, so they were sold on the black market and passed from person to person and shown in secret, as opposed to the nudism films of the 60s, which played at legit theaters. Stags were typically shown in private men's gatherings, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in order to understand the stag film, I want to talk a little about the early film process. Okay. The first camera was invented in 1816 by Nisifor Nispipi. Wow, that's painful. This might be the that might be the worst (laughs) one. Yeah, I think you win on that. Cool, Nisifor Nisipi. Yep. The fuck ever. (laughs) He died a little after this, but his partner Luis Daguerre continued on and created the daguerreotype, the first still image camera in 1837. By 1939, the daguerreotype was being widely used, and of course, it wasn't long until people started using it for porn. Oh, great. In fact, the earliest pornographic photo was taken as early as 1840, so only one year later. (laughs) The only issue with the daguerreotype is it's a one-time thing, so there's no negative and therefore not reproducible. A few years later, the wet process was invented that allowed for reprints, which of course led to the commercialization of photography, and there is documentation of people being arrested for peddling porn as early as 1879. God bless America. But unlike still cameras, 35mm cameras and the projectors, like Edison's kinetoscope from 1894, were really big and heavy and complicated. Yep. But soon after, Lumiere invented the cinematograph. Oh yeah, remember that. Did I get it right? Yep, you okay. did. Good Which job. weighed only about 10 pounds and could be hand-cranked, so virtually anybody could run it. And by 1896, a year later, we have our first stag film. Nice. Thanks, Lumiere. All evidence points to the first stag-type film in history coming out of France, of course. Of course. It was called Le Coucher de la Marie, or Bedtime for the Bride. I think I talked about that one. Yeah. It was estimated to be about nine minutes, although only two minutes survived after 100 years, It's basically a man who gets to a hotel room with his new bride, and while she does a slow strip tease, he does a variety of, like, funny face movements. Yeah. So he's sweating, like, pulling out his collar. It's not really known whether she ever got completely naked. Probably not. But it was kind of a variation of the strip tease burlesque shows at the time. It was really popular, and it played at the Olympia Theater in Paris. I think parts of it are... like you said, still around. Two but I minutes. think it's on YouTube. Yeah. 
YouTube. It is, yeah. Yeah. Of course, this technically wasn't a stag film since there is no actual sex. The first sex stag was called Le Coudil from 1908. On this one. Five years of French, guys. Yeah. Can't even pronounce bonjour. It's only a few minutes and it actually may be the first threesome ever recorded on film. Rough plot, a French maid is vacuuming a hotel room and then starts to fuck herself with the vacuum. Mm. A couple walk in and see her and they have a threesome. It's a little tough to see, but it looks like there's a cum shot at the end. So kind of completing the structure of what we know as uh, the porn film now. Setting the standard for Uh generations to come. The first American stag film is called A Free Ride or... Grass Sandwich. Grass Sandwich, your favorite title ever. I love that. It's from 1915. You can watch it online. It's about a man who picks up two attractive female hitchhikers, takes them for a ride, but has to pee. Of course. He pees. They see his dick, and they're impressed by it. Mm. Then they pee. Then he takes one and starts to fuck her. The other one sees and wants in, so he fucks her too. Then they all drive off into the sunset. That's pretty much it, but you can kind of see the plot structure of stag movies kind of starting to take shape yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. There's a setup. A man or a woman is stimulated in some way. A vague proposal. Will you have sex with me? The sex. And then the resolve. Everything goes back to normal and there's no harm done. Almost as soon as the motion picture was invented, it was used to show a man and a woman having sexual intercourse. A free ride is probably the oldest blue movie commercially available today. It was made about 1915 and is one of the oldest blue movies in the collection of the Kinsey Institute for Sex Research at Indiana University. We have written descriptions of earlier blue movies, but the movies themselves no longer exist. Their film stock dried and crumbled into dust years ago. One of the problems of historical research in this field is that commercial distributors often retitle a film or change it in other ways. The print of this film in the Kinsey collection is entitled A Grass Sandwich, but the film itself is substantially the same. There's also an element of comedy in stag films that continues up through about the 50s. It's more of a tone of not taking sex too seriously to kind of help diffuse the tension of what was up until this point in history, probably the first time people watching a stag film had ever seen someone having sex. Yeah. There was literature, of course, but if you wanted to see something outside of going to a brothel, this was really the only way. Mm-hmm. More on that in a few minutes. A few other early stags from other countries started to show up in the US and the UK. The first, a German film called Amabend, which is in the evening. Oh, nice. From around 1910. That's not what you were thinking when I said a bend. It wasn't even close. (laughs) That was from around 1910. It had a man watching a woman masturbate through a keyhole. He joins her, they have sex, and then it's over. There was an Argentinian film called El Sotario, and it has a group of frolicking young women in the countryside. All of a sudden, the devil shows up, chases the women, kidnaps one of them, and has sex with her until the others find them and chase him away. So those are the first four stag films that were at least somewhat mainstream enough to be remembered. You can watch most of them online. Yeah. But speaking of mainstream, remember that around this time, the late teens and early 20s, there were no real regulations put on motion pictures. Mm. Films like Cleopatra from 1917 was Theta Barra's really classic, like, boob-revealing top, which was like a huge hit, along with The Queen of Sheba from 1929. That was uh, Betty Blythe in a sheer top with no bra. Sex, or at least nudity, was not uncommon in major motion pictures at the time. Which is one of the reasons that there weren't a huge number of stag movies put out in the teens and 20s. 
What happened next was what kicked off what some people would call the golden age of stag. Fatty Arbuckle was a pretty huge celebrity, no pun intended, by the early 20s. He helped train Charlie Chaplin, had his own production companies, and was by anyone's standard very talented. Mm -hmm. In September 1921, he and some friends got a few hotel rooms in San Francisco for a little party. Do you know the story? Kind of. Kind of. I didn't really know it. So that's kind of why I wanted to tell it. We never really talked about it. They invited some young actresses and things got a little out of hand. And one of the girls, an actress by the name of Virginia Rapp, or Rappe? Rapp? Mm, sure. Mm, whatever. Had gotten sick. The hotel doctor was called, and he determined that she had just had too much to drink. Over the next few days, she became sicker and sicker until she went to the hospital and died. Ooh. Fatty was charged with rape and manslaughter, and the media had a field day with it. Oh, no shit. In fact, William Randolph Hearst basically pronounced him guilty with huge headlines on the front pages of his newspapers and yellow journalism the trial way before it even started. Extra, extra, Rio! On September 10th, 1921, Arbuckle and Dominguez returned to San Francisco to face Maud Delmont's charges of rape and murder. After extensive questioning, Arbuckle is taken into police custody. Here we have a man who was at the height of his career, who ate lavish food, drank the the best wine, the finest champagne, uh, the most expensive caviar, uh, had the biggest house in Hollywood, had the biggest car in Hollywood. Uh, He was reduced to uh, the status of a common criminal, living in an absolute squalor. On Sunday, September 11, 1921, as Arbuckle awakes from his first night in cell 12, a wave of protests begins in San Francisco, and the impact of the case hits Hollywood. This was Hollywood's first big scandal, and everybody wanted a piece of it. Fatty was eventually acquitted, but it was too late. Hollywood had a reputation for sex, booze, and death, and then director William Desmond Taylor was murdered not too much later in 1922. And if you've listened to any of our podcast episodes from the past, you know what happens next. Yep. Hollywood puts the Hayes Code into effect, a self-censoring process that was designed to keep the government from stepping in and doing it themselves. It may interest you to sit in with us at a meeting of the Production Code Administration in Hollywood where we are working for finer and better motion pictures. Our job, as I see it, is quite simple. Nobody expects us to impose upon the public motion pictures which are dull or lacking in vitality or vigor. No intelligent person will argue that we are to make pictures only for children. We must have stories with power and punch and backbone. At the same time, We must be on the lookout for scenes or action or dialogue which are likely to give offense. The responsible men in this industry want no such pictures and will not allow these to be shown. You will understand that our production code administration is not a one-man censorship. It represents the considered judgment of many persons of wide experience and a sincere interest in making motion pictures. From the very beginning of the picture, we worked with producers, authors, scenario writers, directors, and all who are connected with the production to the end that the finished product may be free from reasonable objection and that our pictures may be the vital and wholesome entertainment we all want these to be. So all of a sudden, the sex and nudity that seemed like they were heading into mainstream theater was stopped. 
thus creating a market for sex films outside the mainstream, hence the term stag film, meaning essentially that it was alone, off on its own. Right. And so there are certain film historians that would say that the origin of independent film was actually the stag film. Huh. Films that were independent of studios, not exhibited in traditional theaters at the time, you know, they were owned by the studios, right. and obviously not starring any contracted studio actors, actresses, union workers, or directors. Huh. In addition, the topics of stag films were much different than the mainstream films at the time, which obviously were traditional intercourse, but also oral sex, which was a huge taboo back then, mm-hmm. anal sex, lesbianism, group sex, drag, interracial sex, bestiality, and underagers. Damn. Some films had religious themes and were considered blasphemous. One had a dirty Santa Claus, and even the first gay male slash bisexual porn was in the 1930s called A Stiff Game. <laughs> That's great. You're just going to giggle your whole way I'm probably going to giggle off this whole thing, yeah. Oral stimulation of the genital organs is quite common in today's stag movies. It was much less common in the older stags. Fellatio, the woman taking the man's penis in her mouth, took place in 37% of the films made in the 20s. While Cunilingus, the man stimulating the woman's vulva with his tongue, took place in only 11%. Even today, Fellatio is shown more often than Cunilingus. The traditional male attitude seems to have been that it's nice if a woman does that to a man, but a real man wouldn't soil himself by doing the same thing to a woman. Especially in the past, many American men grew up in believing that to kiss someone on the genital organs is to degrade oneself. For a man who holds that belief and also wants to think men are superior to women, it is more acceptable to watch a woman degrade herself by kissing a man's penis than to watch a man degrade himself by kissing a woman's vulva. The market for stag films can be traced back as early as 1904, where wealthy aristocrats and brothels purchased them from Buenos Aires and sold them in England and the U.S. But the industry really started booming in the early 30s, where stags were on the roadshow circuit, being played in circuses, brothels, veterans groups, frats, clubhouses, and other men's clubs. You could buy or rent stag films in a variety of different ways if you knew the right people. Right. They were behind the counters of drugstores, delis, friends of friends, peddling them out of their homes. Typically, they were rented along with a projector, and a group of men would watch them together while smoking, which is why the films are also called Smokers. Right. This sounds weird to us now, but one of the reasons stags were often comedic in nature was to help to diffuse the rigid sexual tension that were so present in pre-1960s American society. Certainly. Watching a stag film with a group of guys actually helped reduce embarrassment of seeing them on your own. People talked about what they saw and laughed and shared experiences more than if they just saw something in the privacy of their own home. Hmm. There was often more dialogue, kind of like an open dialogue, and therefore less shame. Yeah, interesting. In addition, there was virtually no sex education back then. So for many men, seeing a stag film was the only visual aid they had for having sex. That's crazy to think about. Yeah. For some married men, this was the first time they had ever even seen a completely naked woman, including their wife, who for many only had sex under covers in in the dark isn't that like shocking yeah yeah i read that and was like oh my god that i'd never even like thought about that that's yeah that's nuts yeah so while many of the stag films were illegal and gross and animally a lot functioned as a sex manual for men that had no other way of receiving information about sex in really any other way i'm not gonna lie that's kind of how i learned about sex was i think i saw porn really yeah 
I mean, we had sex ed in school. Yeah, but, but that's um, not real. I mean, but yeah, it's that's a, a very that's, clinical that's a textbook. Yeah, exactly. This is what an ovary looks like and whatever. <laughs> My dad had a huge penthouse collection. Did he? Yeah, and I discovered it, and I was like, the I was the man. I was the porn king. See, back in the day, kids, it wasn't on the internet. When you found like a dirty magazine, oh that was God. fucking gold. It was like you would just hit the lottery. Porn was its own currency when you're a teenager. Yeah. back in the eighties, saying. And I was fucking Scarface. Did I ever tell you about the first time that I ever saw a dirty magazine? <laughs> no. <laughs> we went to, let me see if I can get this right. Okay. I got to really dig this one out of my oh, memory. I'm excited to hear this. I went to a friend's house and one of the things that we used to do in the country was go to abandoned houses. That was just some, you know, a haunted house basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like go pick through, you know, some old abandoned house. Oh, of course. And we, there was this old abandoned house and he was like, it's called Pussy Palace. <laughs> and I didn't even know what what a pussy was, you know, and I was like, all right, sounds good. Yeah. So like we went there and somebody had stashed all of these old dirty magazines there, you know, so I guess they could go like whack off. I mean, it was a kid, I'm sure that right. did it. And I just stood there and like picked up these old crusty. I mean, they weren't crusty because they were covered in jizz. That's like <laughs> such a stereotype. Yeah, they were crusty because it was an abandoned house and it probably rained on them. Right. But like was just like standing there looking at these things and they were, it wasn't a playboy. It was like a, it was like a hustler magazine you know <laughs> pussy lips all stretched out you know like whatever and i was just like what i was probably nine so it's like where are all the cats we're at pussy palace i, I don't understand like, this place. I, I don't see any cats all i see is <laughs> vaginal lips everywhere <laughs> that's great yeah Old Pussy Palace. Here's, I still remember the here's first. Here's to you, Pussy Palace. Yeah. Oh, I love that place. <laughs> so let's talk about some classic stag films. Okay. The first and one of the earliest stags I want to talk about is called Strictly Union from 1919. Kind of a bland title. It is kind of. One of the reasons this stag is super important is because it's made right after Hollywood began unionizing stagehands on movie sets. Oh. So the fact that this film even exists suggests that it was made on the fringe of a bigger Hollywood production. Gotcha. It's pretty much understood that Hollywood players were lighting, directing, and even starring in stag films on the side of bigger Hollywood films. Oh, that's that's interesting. Yeah. It's also one of the first examples of title credits having sex jokes in their names. <laughs> the lead character's name in Strictly Union is Mr. Hard penis. <laughs> kind of not that original. Right. Yeah. Real on the nose, yeah. so to speak. But the 1927 film Wonders of the Unseen World credits were seduced by A. Period prick. Like A prick. Yeah. <laughs> directed by I'm a cunt. <laughs> photographed not... by Are You Hard. I'm not even trying to be even remotely subtle here. Yeah. A free ride or grass sandwiches credits were directed by A wise guy photographed by will be hard <laughs> titles by will she oh, will, she? will she that's funny nice asian mm-hmm. <laughs> so all the best porn names like dick cumming seymour butts and cherry poppins came from a structure that stag films came up with in the teens and 20s well that's, that's great mm-hmm. that's interesting there was also a film called the goat aka <laughs> oh, on the beach from the early 20s I'm afraid of this one that was interesting and Nancy's sees three women and wants to have sex with one of them. She agrees, but through a wall with a glory hole. He puts his dick through, and the other women get a goat and put it up to the hole where he fucks it. He keeps coming back month after month to try to fuck her again, but when she shows back up, she's pregnant and demands money. He gives her all of his money, and she pulls a pillow out from under her shirt. She tricked him. 
So this beginning, middle, and end is consistent with the stag construct, and to be honest, the structure of most porn scenes now, usually a little bit of a setup plot, pizza delivery guy, a cheating husband, the pool boy. Me to fix the plumbing. Right. That kind of thing, yeah. Yeah. Then sex, then an ending where they get caught, or the pizza is free of charge, or she got wet without even getting in the pool, you know, right, right. type of thing. Yeah, it's great. And of course, there's a comedic element as well. In the pickup from 1923, a man tries to pick up a woman hitchhiker 10 miles out of town, but he insists she have sex with him first, so she walks instead. The next day, he tries to have sex with her in exchange for a 20-mile ride. The next day, 50 miles outside of town, she accepts the ride. Afterwards, he says, why did you do this 50 miles outside of town when you'd rather walk for 10 or 20 miles? She replied, I'll be damned if I walk 50 miles just to keep you from getting the clap. (laughs) So you see that this is nothing more than kind of a vaudeville type of joke that was filmed with a sex scene in the middle. That's really the structure of most of the early stag films, kind of a punchline spread out over 10 minutes with hardcore sex. Yeah. So on the goat, I got to ask this, did he really fuck a goat? I don't think so. He's on one side of the wall and the goat is on the other side of the wall. And, and just, it's just kind jokey, of, like, oh, he's fucking, you know, suggesting Yeah, you don't a goat. see him, like, enter the goat. And the goat doesn't look like he cares, so it's probably fine. It's probably fine, yep. because that's... We'll talk more about bestiality in a minute. Oh, goody. <laughs> The next film I want to talk about is called Buried Treasure from 1928, and it's the first animated stag film known to exist. Oh, wow. Buried Treasure has a special place in the history of the blue movie. It's an animated cartoon made in the late 20s or early 30s, and rumor has it that it was done by some of the same cartoonists that did Crazy Cat. The complete film required more than 10,000 separate line drawings. Today, genuine full animation is too expensive a process, even for the children's cartoons made to be shown on television. There isn't time or money or patience for really painstaking animation. Buried Treasure was obviously made for pleasure more than profit. Since money can't pay for that kind of craftsmanship today, it's likely to remain a truly unique film. I'm going to show it to you. Great. Okay, you ready? Yeah. I'm going to try to narrate some of this because I feel like it should be. So a guy's got a heart on, flies land on his dick, he shoots his dick off, and it hides from him. And now it now there's a small dog fucking a bigger dog being cheered on by other small dogs. And he's looking at it. Snake's fucking. There's some snake sex going on. It's weird that a snake has a dick. Because yeah, you balls. just kind of just yeah. expect for just the snake to be the dick. There's a, a, a bird fucking another bird also with a dick and there's a woman masturbating notice that she also stuck that dildo in her butt too yeah so his dick's so big he has to get basically a, a cart for it he's got a like a kickstand wheel thing for it oh, he's having difficulties because she had an alarm clock in her vagina for some reason and a shoe what the hell, was, what the hell stole his dick looks like a huge pubic lice is that what that's yeah, supposed to be yeah it's a big crab that took his dick and was running off with it and now he's chasing it hey when that happens that's something. Yeah. And for now, even it's that is something. Someone really put a lot of time into this. Yes, like this a lot of was effort. not just something that someone was like, I think I'll make a funny animated thing. Like this took a lot of time. It took a lot of effort. It's probably storyboarded. <laughs> it was God, I mean, thanks thanks for sharing that, Slate. You're welcome. With me and the, the listeners. I know they enjoyed my narration as well. So obviously someone really cared and wanted to make that, and there's a lot of rumors about where that came from. Some people say that those were the Betty Boop illustrators that created 
created that or Felix the cat, you know, which was popular at the time. So this was something that this was clearly on the fringe of something else. You know, it's like Steamboat Willie fucks everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Not all stag films were comedies and cheap animal fucking jokes, though. There was New York Honeymoon from 1946, which had a couple go to New York City for their honeymoon and decide to stay in the hotel room and have sex instead. It was about as purient as sex could be in a stag film. Gotcha. A lot of stag films had doctor themes, since this was a natural place for a woman to remove her clothes, you know, in front of another man. Right. Titles like, Oh, Doctor, Emergency Clinic, Doctor's (laughs) Orders... Dr. Hardon's Injection and Dr. <laughs> Long Peter were all titles of early stag films. That's pretty good. Stag films also originated the incestuous sex plot with titles like Father's Daughter, Family Affair, Mother's Daughter, Father Knows Best, etc. <laughs> One of the most notorious stag films of all time is The Casting Couch from around 1924. Okay. The rough plot, a woman auditions for a director for a swimsuit scene. She doesn't have one, so he sends her behind a dressing screen to use one from costuming. She starts to put it on, and he comes in and tries to have sex with her. She refuses, and he says, basically, you'll never work in this town again. She changes her mind, has sex with him, and she gets the part. Right. Obviously, a lot of the stag films and porn in general is extremely gross in terms of men and women's roles, and still is. Right. It's not lost on anyone that while men watch things like this back in the 20s and 30s, it was happening in Hollywood and real life, as it still does, in the yeah. case of Weinstein and uh, Paul Haggis and yep. countless other Hollywood execs that we hear about every day now. I don't spend much of today's episode talking about how questionable and gross stag films are right? Um, and the porn industry in general, but it needs to be said, obviously. Yeah, sure. But now I'm moving on. Besides the gross Hollywood rape movies, most stag films were very literal to what you were about to see. The Flat Tire, Hotel Clerk, Bathroom Frolics, <laughs> The Dice Game, TV Repairman, Slave Girl, right. The Grocer Boy. You know, you get it. Yeah. And stack films continued on this way up until about the mid-50s when 8mm cameras started being sold commercially to people wanting to make home movies. This ultimately changed the stag film considerably, from professionally shot scripted sex shorts to something completely different, amateur stag. That's right, just like home video changed the porn industry in the late 70s from big-budget porn star feature-length films into amateur low-budget video, the home film camera changed the face of stag films. Now anyone could make an attempt to sell amateur stag reels, and the result was not good. I imagine. The plots disappeared, the attractive stars and comedy disappeared. These new stags were invariably the couple next door having sex and were just for stimulation, not entertainment, as in the earlier stags. Right. While the sex movie theaters were offering their patrons a steady diet of frustration, the stag movie of the 50s was offering more and more sex and less and less of anything else. The storyline was the shortest distance from outside the bedroom to inside the bedroom. One of the most persistent ideas about the blue movie industry is that one famous actress or another made a blue movie when she was young and needed the money. Now, whether or not those stories are true, there is no such film on the market. If blue movies starring famous actresses really do exist, they're in strictly private collections and have never been commercially available. Plus, with the invention of the home camera came the invention of the home projector, which meant the ceremony of watching stag films at a stag party was also coming to an end. Yeah. 
Stag films were starting to become available by ordering them from the backs of men's magazines, depending on the state you lived in, and were being watched in private. In 1953, the first Playboy with Marilyn Monroe was published, which further pushed nudity and pornography into the privacy of one's own home instead of in public shows or screenings. From here, you know where this went. Men bought pornography and kept it in a shoebox in the closet for years, and their wives pretended they didn't know, as in the case of your father. (laughs) And Pussy Palace. Yeah, of course, Pussy Palace. Never forget. Stags continued to get made, but as the Hays Code started to fall apart in the 60s and the Supreme Court decided nudity in and of itself is not considered obscene, legal nudity and sex started to show back up in movie theaters so trying to purchase or rent a stag film illegally became less and less worth it you could go to a theater and watch a nudie cutie like the immoral mr tease by 1959 Mm -hmm. so what's the point of a stag yeah no kidding stags then started to play back to back in theaters around the late 60s and referred to as loops Hmm. You went into an adult theater, paid, and then watched loops, 10 or so minutes of a scene with no dialogue or plot, usually just a sex scene, and then it was followed by another one. Right. A lot of old stag films were cut into loops, but for the most part, the loops were run by the mob, as in the case of one of the most famous loops, Linda Lovelace getting fucked by a dog in the loop called Dogfucker that she made (laughs) before Deep Throat. Yeah. You found that for... Oh, yeah. Oh, I've seen Dogfucker a couple times. Oh, Jesus. I haven't, thank God. Uh Uh-huh, don't. And here's where the history of the stag film stops. Because after watching a few loops, Wakefield Poole decided to make Boys in the Sand, the first full-length, tasteful porn feature that we talked about in the golden age of porn. Yep. And then the full-length feature porns took over. It was a pretty unceremonious end to the stag film, but that's the way most trends in the porn industry end, with a whimper, not a bang. <laughs> that was terrible bad, but, but great no it's good okay. i mean it's awful but it, that was good yeah so i want to talk about some celebrities that have been rumored or who were actually in stag films oh good since stags are usually really low quality old and the talent is kind of hard to identify rumors about celebs being in them early in their careers have been a staple of hollywood gossip columns for years yeah there's not a lot of proof from the earlier days although a few notable stars that have had their names possibly attached to stag films include greta Garbo, Jane Mansfield, Barbara Streisand, oh, wow. and Marilyn Monroe. You can actually see the Barbara Streisand one online, and it's like, it kind of looks like Barbara Streisand. <laughs> like, it's not her, but like, it kind of looks like Do her. Do you think anyone's ever asked her about that? I, I mean, I'm sure somebody has. It just kind of doesn't really seem like Barbara Streisand's thing yeah. to be in a I sex mean, film, you know? One very persistent myth of stag films, because of course, stag films didn't have, you didn't know who was in them. Um, would be to say that such and such, almost always actress, people weren't as interested in the actors, such and such actress was in a stag film. And so you could sell the stag films by saying that, oh, this is Marilyn Monroe in her, in fact, there is one that circulates to this day where some people would insist that it is Marilyn Monroe. It has been rumored that many of the up-and-coming starlets, who later were big Hollywood names, got their start in the business by making stag films. For example, Barbara Streisand was rumored to have appeared in one of these stag films. Barbara Streisand was supposed to be in one. Have you ever seen that one? I've never seen it. I heard about it. Yeah, I would. I would be curious to see that. You know. 
Jackie Chan was in a Chinese sex comedy that is sometimes rumored to be a stag film. MTV's Simon Rex starred in some jerk-off porn before he landed his MTV gig. Spalding Gray was in the hardcore films Farmer's Daughters and Maraschino Cherry before he got famous. And of course, Malcolm McDowell, Helen Mirren, and Peter O'Toole were all in Caligula, which was a triple X porn, although none of them had sexual roles. Right. But one of the longest standing Hollywood rumors, even longer standing than Richard Gere having gone to the hospital with a hamster in his butt or <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis being a hermaphrodite, is the rumor that Sylvester Stallone made a stag film before he got famous. Italian Stallion? Uh-huh. As we all probably know, this is kind of true. Yeah. But since there were so many rumors over such a long period of time, I did some research to find out exactly what happened. Yeah. Sylvester Stallone was a struggling actor from the late 60s up until 1976 when he had his breakout role in Rocky. Right. No one saw Rocky coming. It was a low budget. <laughs> Sorry. Nah, Sorry. Yeah. yeah. It was a low budget movie with a no name actor, but it made a fortune and went on to win Best Picture at the Oscars that right. year. Right. Yeah. And Sylvester Stallone was the talk of Hollywood. So it wasn't long after this new fame that the rumor that he had starred in a stag film, porn movie, softcore pick, or hardcore loop, depending on who you asked, started to surface. Right. The rumors were further corroborated when Stallone himself said that the financiers of this movie called Party at Kitty and Studs told him they'd sell him the film for $200,000, for which he responded, I wouldn't give you $2 for it. That was bad. That was... was, Wow. I wouldn't get... You're batting a thousand up in here today. I wouldn't give you... (laughs) <laughs> I don't know why he's also the godfather. But yeah, I know. I was waiting. I know. I wouldn't give you $2 for it. That was better. That's that was good better. enough. Okay. Yeah. You're like, please move Stop on. Stop doing it. Yeah. So the film, originally directed by Morton Lewis, was recut and redubbed by a porn director, Gail Palmer, known for Hot Summer in the City and Candy Goes to Hollywood. She also filmed the intro trailer for the movie where she kind of upsells the role of Stallone and implies that it's a little more hardcore than it is. Huh. Hi, I'm Gail Palmer. I just spent 30 days in the dark with a man that's in every woman's dream. This guy here, Sylvester Stallone. I've been hired by Stallion Releasing Company to supervise the editing of this new X-rated film, The Italian Stallion, with Sylvester Stallone in the starring role as Stud. I don't have to tell you that he was the star of United Artists' biggest grossing film ever, Rocky. After editing this film, I can assure you that everything you ever wanted to see of Sylvester Stallone can be seen in this new X-rated movie, The Italian Stallion. However, due to the mature content of this film, there are only two scenes we can show you acceptable for a G-rated preview. And then Epoch and Stallion Films released it as The Italian Stallion for $10,000 a night in theaters in 1978. Damn. To be honest, it's a sex film. It's softcore, sure, but if you were a 1978 gal wanting to see Sylvester Stallone naked in a sex movie, you probably weren't disappointed. No, oh, okay, well. Sure, the movie is terrible, and they probably shouldn't have wasted time trying to overdub it or try to play up Stallone's character, but it's a decent cheap thrill. Uh, really? Is it on like online? Oh yeah, I watched it at huh. work. Oops, that was a lie. I, that is not true. <laughs> I did not watch it at work. Rough plot, Stallone plays Stud, married to Kitty, who is a brutish dummy, but Kitty is super attracted to him anyway. After a bunch of simulated sex scenes and a scene where Stallone punches a mirror and his hand starts bleeding and Kitty licks the blood off of him, <sighs> he whips her sexually with a belt. Hmm. And then they host a sex party where a bunch of women and one other man show up. They all writhe around with each other. There's more simulated sex, a lot of beaver shots, and then Kitty and Stud leave the other sleeping on the floor. 
Stallone's scenes are played up, but it's clear that the film's focus was on filming the women, so while he does have a few close-ups and can be seen nude at a few shots, like most softcore movies, you mostly see his butt, and anytime you see his dick, even though he's supposed to be penetrating someone, it's never hard. Hmm. In 2007, a rumor circulated that Party at Kitty and Studs had been fully restored and had all of the cut triple-X scenes put back in, but according to the Adult Video Network, the triple-X scenes were spliced in from the 1976 Herschel Savage movie movie White Fire. Nothing in the film suggests that it was ever intended to be hardcore. It's just a shitty little softcore film with a few brief dick shots. So did Sylvester Stallone do a stag film? Not really. Right. Was Sylvester Stallone naked in a low budget softcore X-rated film? He was. Huh. He was. Mm-hmm. That's that's awesome. Yeah. But the actress with the longest running stag film rumors was Joan Crawford. Oh, wow. We've talked about Joan Crawford before, specifically in our episode Hagsploitation, which I might add predated the Ryan Murphy show Feud, Betty and Joan by about two years. Yeah. He definitely stole that from us. Oh, uh, no shit. Yeah. It's a great show, by the way. It is a good show. But today we're talking about Joan Stag film rumors, which the show actually did an episode on, and it was fact-checked by Vanity Fair afterwards. So here's what we know. Okay. Joan herself admitted to receiving calls attempting to blackmail her about being, or as she said, dancing in a stag film. She claimed she never worried about it since she was in no such film and told them to contact MGM. They did, and on watching the film, MGM's lawyer said, if that's Joan Crawford, I'm Greta Garbo. But her first husband, Douglas Fairbanks Jr., wrote in his memoir of her that she had told him she was in a stag film but gave no other explanation of what she wore, looked like, or did. And three books written about Hollywood write that Joan had an FBI file, which included references to a stag that she had been in. Wow. A biography on Joan alleged that MGM paid as much as $100,000 in blackmail money and that the blackmailer was Joan's brother, Hal, although this seems convenient. Yeah. Other writers say MGM got the mob involved and only paid $25,000 to have the negative destroyed. I talked about Joan leaving MGM and Hagsploitation after being labeled as box office poison, and some accounts say she paid MGM even though essentially she was fired. This rumor was that she still owed MGM for the money they paid to get rid of her stag film. But other accounts say Joan's brother Hal also wanted to be a star, and that Joan was trying to help him get into the business. Mm -hmm. He didn't have the same crazy hard work ethic that Joan had, and after years of supporting him, she cut him off. He started the rumors to destroy her career. Somebody's been shopping a stag picture in which you allegedly appeared in your youth. (laughs) Well, that is ridiculous. It must be someone who resembles me. I know Luella's been sniffing around, so is Confidential. Bastards. Can I sue? Not if there's a film. Is there, Joan? Why would you ask that? Because if there is, I'll find out. I always find out. And you would write about it. It's what I do. I'm offering you the opportunity to add your voice to the story. By telling the tale of shame yourself, you can turn it into a story of redemption. Not a bad way for either of us to go out. The perfect final scoop for my readers. I am sorry about your ill health, Hedda. And I am sorry that it has So weakened your ability to distinguish truth from lies. All right, Joan. 
But just remember, it's always better to cooperate. Ultimately, no proof or even an is that her film has surfaced, but the rumor will probably never go away. Right. It's just too good. So I'm going to start wrapping this up. Okay. So I want to put this in context a little bit and talk about where stag films sit in the history of pornography now. Okay. So there's a little bit of a timeline. The first pornography was literature and illustration, things like the Marquis de Sade and the ancient Asian drawings of intercourse and the Karma Sutra. Right. Once the camera was invented, there were pornographic photos followed by motion pictures, which created the professional stag film, which we mentioned before. Right. Once the home 8mm camera was available, it paved the way for amateur stag films. Once legal, stag films paved the way for feature-length wide-release porn films. And when home video and thus the video camera became available, it paved the way for amateur video porn. Video porn combined with the internet paved the way for instant streaming porn, which paved the way for a new type of porn, the celebrity sex tape, as in the case of Paris Hilton. Kim Kardashian and Colin Farrell and Screech from Saved by the Bell. Oh, God. And Tom Sizemore and Tanya Harding. Jesus. And Pamela Anderson and Hulk Hogan. (laughs) All right, you get the point. Yeah. The internet and video has paved the way for virtual reality porn. As robotics get more advanced, porn has adapted. So while the format of the simple porn structure hasn't changed much since the stag film, the porn industry tends to only be a year or two behind most major technological advances. true. Which is much more advanced than most industries when you think about it. Yeah. So the next time you see somebody role-playing a robot in a virtual reality streaming porn movie, just think. That wouldn't exist without the stag film. That is amazing. Mm-hmm. So that's my episode. That's a great episode. What do you think? I think it was awesome. It ties in to going into porn really well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's nice to see the origin story, so to speak, of yeah. porn. One thing near the end there, when you were talking about all the urban legends and rumors and things that stag films, there was a rumor that up. you were in a stag film. Um, that's no rumor. <laughs> I'm just kidding. God help us. One of the other things about stag films, and we've talked about this before, is someone would always say, oh, I saw this crazy film, you know, or I was at a party and I saw some the, the goat fucker film. Mm-hmm. But we were talking about it during my snuff episode where that might be the origin of where, you know, somebody saw a movie that saw a movie that somebody was actually sure. killed in. Right. You know, right. and yeah, I think totally. that could have been one of the things that pushed the snuff urban legend, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. As well. I mean, there was no proof of anything. So right. if there was a stag film, there was no proof that it existed. The only thing you had was that there was no IMDb. They weren't in encyclopedias that you like went to the library and checked out. So it right. was like, if you saw a stag film and then you walked away, the only proof you had was what was in your head. Right, exactly. So yeah, absolutely. That's where a lot of rumors got started. And like, oh yeah, I, I saw I saw the Joan Crawford stag film. I right. saw it, you know, back then. It was totally her. You right, know, it's exactly. like, there's no one to be like, no, you didn't, because here's the proof, because there is no proof. No. Well, and that's the other piece too, and I don't know if you mentioned it or not, but like when they're illegal and cops would bust parties and, yep. and confiscate them and destroy them, right. and which means some Cop took it home. I mean, confiscate. Yep. Yep. So that was another reason to kind of keep it on the down low, too. Right. And so, yeah, it was just word of mouth, and God knows the stories and rumors and everything else that, you know, that spawned from that. Yeah. So, yeah, great episode. Thank you. I Unfortunately, this probably means that now, if we ever do another season, I have to do a history of amateur porn video now, since I've done kind of the stag films, the golden age of film, right. and now I kind of have to do, like, video porn. See, it's like your porn saga. I know. Well, that's why I remember when Alex, our listener, said he started calling us sex and violence. So, right. Yeah. I still don't know which one's which. No, but I think we know. Yeah. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed this. This was five seasons in the making of yeah. finally figuring out what the deal is with sex. What's the deal with stag films? And so, now you know. Now you know. Great. Hope you enjoyed it, everyone. It's good right. to be back. Yep. See ya. 
Thanks for listening to Slums of Film History. You can find us on the web at slumsoffilmhistory.com where you can find links to some of the movies we talked about today, along with pictures, videos, and additional resources. As well as Sunday Slum Day, our weekly recommendation for the best and sometimes worst films every Sunday night. If you want to keep up with us, we're on Facebook and Twitter where we share out a lot of additional content. And as always, please fact check us and let us know if we left anything out. We're not professionals, just two friends that love gross movies. In order to understand the stag film, I want to talk a little about the. I want to talk a little. I want to talk a little. Little, a little, little gangster, little cam. <laughs>